Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, conversations with artists and activists about death and life. My name is Dave Marr. I'm a comedian. I host the show, and this episode of the show is going to be a little different. It's not unprecedented. I've done solo shows before, but even so, I uh, I, I won't lie, I... I'm doing this because I have been off my game in booking, and there's a, there's a gap here this week. But I genuinely did want to take the opportunity to get some things off my chest. And it's not scary stuff. It's not stuff that affects the future of the podcast. My health is okay. Um you know, all that. So I don't want anyone to worry about me, but these have been heavy times and I have thoughts. So if you're down, I would like to, uh, I'd like to just talk. I want to talk in this way because the pressure is so strong to be louder, to, to be here's the thing since since i went to my first edinburgh fringe and in 2018 and kind of started thinking seriously about the fact that i want to be an independent artist and kind of changing my perspective toward fame toward television not that i despise television uh, certainly getting closer to despising fame. And I want to be clear, it, this is a very easy position that I'm in. I'm I'm in my bedroom talking about how, you know, I don't need to be famous. We're we're in very um we're 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 riding the fence on sour grapes territory. That's not how I mean it though. But ever since then, ever since I really committed to, okay, I think what I really want is as much direct connection with an audience as possible. I have had to face the fact that that still involves a lot of business, still involves a lot of what's called marketing right now. Promotion, promo feels a little more punk rock to me, a little less gross, but I've really plunged my head into the pool bobbing for marketing apples since then. And one place that's led me recently is TikTok. My buddy Gabe Leibowitz, who records as Calvero, records music, who has been in, been a guest on this podcast. I'm also, uh, I've got a couple beverages here, so forgive me. That was water. I got water and I got a I got a night coffee here. So, I it, Gabe has had great success on TikTok, getting his perspective out there, connecting with people, and I thought that maybe that would be the same for me. And who knows? Me maybe it will be at some point. But my experience of TikTok right now is just that it is so loud. There's this whole thing where in the first three seconds of the video, you got to grab the audience's attention. I, I, I talked about this in the, in the last episode of the podcast, I think, or a recent episode. I did. 
Wow. Ugh. So if you want more thoughts, you can listen to that last episode. Who was that with? Oh, God. With We on We, I think. Oh, it's, it's, it's blurring. It's blurring together. Um, but I just need quiet. And you might think, okay, well then just take some quiet. Don't, don't go to any social media for that. Don't go to, you don't have to create anything to have quiet. And yes, that is correct. I don't. But I do find myself needing to create things. I facilitated a community organizing conversation this past week and I and it went great. It was fun. People had a good time. We got stuff done. I had made the agenda. I moved us through it and I was buzzing after that the way that Bill Murray talks about in the Saturday Night Live oral history about how how after SNL after the shows you would go to the after party and the after party to the after party and do drugs just because you couldn't come down from the high of having done the show and that was, <laughs> that was how high i was from facilitating a conversation about you know packing some some kits for some homeless folks in the area and my my partner was like i i think performing might be might be good for your mental health and she's not wrong and so i'm finding myself needing to perform but not sure how to make that transition it's it's been 2 years and it, and it's really been 4 years it's been since 2018 that my mind was changed. I came back. I took a neo-futurist class. The the performance art theater group in Chicago, uh, Kurt Chang, Connor Shoshita Pickett, Jasmine Henry, Henry Jordan. Those are the, the guests that have been on the podcast uh, from the neo-futurists, if you want to go back and listen to those episodes. But they, you know, I, I took those classes and I started kind of splitting my time and feeling feeling the the ghost of a first six month open mic comedian, which is not a type. It's it's it, you know people call new standups open micers, and it's it's done by a lot of people who aren't that far separated from it. They've just started doing booked shows or or producing their own shows and. So they feel the need to distance themselves from the people, you know, quote unquote, on the bottom uh, early on. So I, I don't, I don't mean to do that, but I do mean to describe a mindset. This this hustle culture, you know, you're you're inflating the number of mics you're doing by probably five. You you maybe did seven across four days, but you're saying you've done 15 or something like that. Cause that's how, that's how it feels. And you're not even intentionally trying to perpetuate this grind set stereotype, but you are. And that is a mindset that lives in my brain that, that has Im- implanted itself on me. And when I did my first solo episode, um, the, the ambient comedian 
episode where I played the, the Bud Light coma guy bit that I was working on. Um, th- that mindset kept me from the realizations I had about it being okay to do comedy the way I want to do it exactly. And that not being in the traditional comedy clubs, but over those past years, it's, it's just, it's just gotten really, really lonely. And the pandemic has obviously not made that better. And this past week I went to a stand-up show for the first time, um, for first time in two years, at least, I definitely it's been more than that. Just to watch, um, I, I don't want to be too specific about it because I am gonna shit on it. So I'll just say that, you know, I went I went to a show, one of these independently produced stand up shows a bunch of people crammed into a bar and that's what it was. It was people crammed into a bar. I walked in double masked because I'm still, I don't know how COVID affects diabetes, type one diabetes, which is what I have. And I, I, I haven't gotten COVID I've been, I've been lucky and I guess taken enough precaution, but I know that there are plenty of people who taken plenty of precautions and they're still, they still get it. So I I don't think, I definitely think there's an element of luck there. Um, I, I hope that my system would be able to handle it, but there's, there's bad studies about long COVID too. I mean, we on we, who I talked to for the second time recently, he talks about brain fog. He talks about, um, and he's had, and he's had COVID twice. And you see these studies of real neurological damage happening in people. My partner has fibromyalgia, so these are these are serious things. And and I'm I'm disabled, you know, like type one diabetes, like is a disability. Uh, not being able to go out in the streets in 2020 when the uprisings were happening with my blood sugar, you know, spiking and going weird because the, the, the tape for my continuous glucose monitor was falling off my body because I was sweating too much. Those words might not mean a lot, but it's like, it's basically saying that like a piece of tape wasn't working for me. So my health was at risk and I felt like I could die. Um, and and the fact that I even have this condition in the first place keeps me from living my values and, and going out and being out in the streets. And so I've, I've accepted, you know, I, I think of diabetes as a disability um, in the sense that I now am curious about the disability community, um, not, not in the sense of thinking of myself as a victim or wanting to make excuses for things, but really understanding, uh, especially in a pandemic, what it means when to get back to the stand-up show, when I walk into a room double masked and it is a room full of probably 40 people in a small room, bad ventilation, 
packed in like the last two years had not happened at all. And when I say what that means, I mean, it feels it, it, I, I cannot avoid taking it personally. I walk in and I realize it's wrong to over-personalize this stuff, to individually say any one of these people is, is, is trying to kill me. But as a group, this is a group of people who did not give a shit about my survival. And that is part of what reckoning with a disability has meant. And stand-ups are selfish people. I mean, people are selfish people. I don't I don't think stand-ups and, and comedians are as unique as we like to think and are lucky enough to be painted by the media sometimes. I think we're representative of people as a whole, but I definitely know that comedians are selfish. I know of credible rumors of comedians who performed on shows when they were pretty sure they had COVID. And that's, I mean, we've all heard stories about people not knowing, about um, people maybe being reckless with masks or something, but that's, you know, that kind of stuff is the most flagrant, really putting other people's lives at risk stuff that I have heard throughout this pandemic, except for the systemic government level stuff. So I feel alone. I have felt alone in the in the Chicago comedy community. Really the the minute I woke up from my coma uh in 2014 November 17th, 2014. You know how people say you start dying the minute you're born? Well, when I was reborn on November 17th, 2014, my community in Chicago started dying. The community that eulogized me on Facebook, the community that had lifted me up. And when I was well enough to read their messages, made me feel loved and supported and understood like I had never felt before through, through the eulogies they'd written me, which by the way, if you're, if you're, if you're hanging in and this is your first episode, welcome for sure. And that's, that's, that's my kind of big story. That's where the afterlife podcast comes from. That's where two of my one man shows have come from and the only two to be clear, but I have other ideas and they're not, they're not related. At least right now, they're not related to the coma, but I feel alone. I, I had friends move, which is natural. It happens. Um, I have also had friends drift 
really people I thought were really, really close and a lot of standups. And I, and I think sometimes and, and selfishly because who gets the opportunity to be Tom Sawyer at his own funeral? Who, who gets that? I, I can't, I haven't actually put my head to it, but it, it's hard to think of another situation where you would get to see what people thought of you when you died, except what I got. It's fucking crazy. And unexpectedly, maybe it created an, an unreasonable expectation in my mind, a mind that is, that is prone to unreasonable expectations, but it created this expectation that this was the level of attention that I was going to have for the rest of my life. Oh, you know, almost like, you know, I had gotten JFL or something, uh, just the, the just for laughs, uh, new faces, the, the just for laughs festival. It's kind of a big, uh, you know, for, if we're referring to back episodes, go back to Arielle Elias. Uh, she was a new face this most recent, this past year, um, it, it, or, or, or getting hired for SNL. One of these, one of these big moments where it's like, wow, this person's made it. And you feel like you've got a certain amount of momentum behind you. I had that from this medical trauma, which is all sorts of problems because I had to actually rebuild my life. I had to get sober. I had to relearn how to use my legs. I had to get a, get another job. Um, and... But, but I had this expectation that that was how people would see me, how, how many people would see me and be looking out for me constantly. And, I, and so the thing I think sometimes is if my coma happened today, what, what would it look like? How, how many people w- would, would post eulogies for me? on Facebook, how many people would visit the hospital, how many people would care, you know, the, we've, we've gotten older, people have had kids, people have moved, people gotten married, people gotten famous, who, who would care? These people, these people come back to Chicago and they don't always hit me up. And, and I'm not saying I'm special in that. I know that happens to a lot, a lot of people. So, but, but I, I, I think about that. And being at this stand-up show this week really, really made me feel alone. No one said hello to me. No one made eye contact with me. And it wasn't like I was around my closest friends. It wasn't flagrant, you know, I can can understand. Like, yo, I've gotten fatter. I've gotten a lot fatter since the pandemic started and I understand that the, and I was behind two masks, unlike everybody else. So maybe they didn't recognize me. And even if they did and they ignored me, it, 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 it wouldn't, it wasn't the most hurtful people to do that. But nonetheless, these are people I would have nodded to at least. And so I am in my own city where I've been for 20 years, 20 years this year. 
um, not aggressively doing comedy that whole time. But a lot of the time, since, you know, improv since 2008, stand up since 2013, this is not nothing. That's all, that's almost a decade of doing stand up, you know? And I feel like I've, like I've moved to a new city and I'm completely starting over for, for how alone I feel. And, 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 and that would be one thing if it weren't also mixed with this flagrant disregard of vulnerable people's lives that these, these, these shows, these events, it's not just stand up. It's, it's all over. There's, there's movements in Chicago right now. And, and I'm sure in other cities of disabled performers talking about how fucked up it is and how alone they feel that, that people are just going back to the way things were before. Really, really. Did you think, did you think that there was going to be a time when people reevaluated when the pandemic started, when, when, when it was clear that it was going to be more than a few weeks or even more than a few months, was there a moment, was there a period of time where you believed that things were going to change on the other side of this? I don't, I don't think there was for me. I hoped, I hoped, I, I really hoped it would. And, and I, and I've, I've, I hate done the work. I hate that phrase, but I have made choices and, and educated myself and put myself in communities and, and taken on new responsibilities that I think do show my commitment to change. But I, I, people are adaptable. It's what, it's what makes it so easy for me to stay out of touch with the gratitude I had of just being alive after my coma. Because I adapted. Because now I'm alive again. And the clarity you have after something like that, um, not just clarity, anger, bunch of other stuff, but, but there's clarity there. And, and I, I lost it. I don't have that same clarity all the time or, or much at all, to be honest. I, this next thing I want to talk about is, is the closest to being a bit at this point. And, and I'm really trying as I'm doing this, not to perform at you. There's a reason I've, I've made the decision right now. There's a reason that there was no intro music. There's a reason there won't be outro music. Maybe there'll be some outro music. There's a reason there is minimal production on this. Um, and, and that's because I know it's mediated. I know it, it's, it's a piece of work, this podcast, but I really as much as is possible, given the limits of the form, I really am trying to have a conversation. And so I want to point out, if, if the next thing I'm about to say sounds false, it's because, it's because it is. It's because I, I've been low-key kind of practicing it. But I feel 
half alive. <laughs> next, the next thing is a bit. <laughs> Here's the premise. I feel half alive. Oh. But I, I really, I really do feel quite numb. Most things sound too hard to do. It's made me a worse partner when she asks me if I want to go for a walk or we're settling up our, our, you know, we're making our plans for food for the week and, and, and settling up finances. And at the end of it, she asks me, oh, well, you know, let's plan something fun. And my mind's, you know, my default reaction is to go, oh, that sounds hard. That That's where I am a lot. I am, I'm a, I'm a brain in a body resentfully right now. And I'm looking for work. I am trying to find something that is going to allow me to keep making this podcast and making other work, doing my newsletter. Um, and de- de- definite answers, by the way, I- I'll link to that in the show notes. It's really good. I'm really fucking proud of it. The, especially uh, the last, the last edition I'm, I'm really proud of the, and I want to keep making these things and I, and I want to get back to performing again. I have a lot of thoughts on how to do it after being at that stand-up show. But I you know, I I I'm looking for work. That that was that's what I was saying. And so I'm trying to be more mindful of spending. And I said to my therapist this past week I told her that I needed to take a break uh, for a little bit. So hopefully I could come back when I have a little bit steadier of income, whether that's from a full-time thing, some part-time, I'm I'm cobbling together things more. I I don't know. And, And she asked me, how do you feel about that? And because I don't have many feelings about many things, I said, I don't know. I, I, to be honest, I don't really have that many feelings about it. Um, and, and, and I thought it was understood that I am here. I'm, I'm a person who needs therapy is in therapy at least, and also am mentally ill. You know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a guy who takes regular head meds, who is 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 trying to make himself better by being honest about the things that he would maybe rather not think. You know, I don't like feeling half alive. That's not in line with my values. The fact that going out to a comedy show or or producing a comedy show sounds tedious to me. I, I hate that. I hate that. So, so there are many things that I think that that the thoughts I have that aren't what I think if that makes sense. With all that in mind, that is the background for what I said next, which was quitting therapy kind of feels like 
canceling a streaming subscription. It's just, it's something I have to do right now. And I'm aware of how that sounds. As, as I said it, I was aware of how it sounded. A, her, her, my therapist's face read how that sounded. She's a person, right? And she was hurt by that. And she said, well, you know, that's, that's kind of offensive. You know, do you not think of this as a relationship? And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like, yes, I think of this as a relationship, but come on. I'm, I'm saying all the, all the terrible thoughts in my head. Are we not, are we not reining those in or we're just letting all those live out in the world? Right. So that was, that was annoying. And, and I'm pretty like, she looked like she was about to cry when, when we hung up the phone, the, the, the video call. So as I have one last session with her, um, and I say, I like her, she's a good therapist. I want, I want to come back, but it just, it just bothered me. And, and I think I'm focusing on that. I've been, I've been telling this sort of as a bit to people. And also I'm aware that it's not this thing we're not talking about Basically, it's one shocking thing I accidentally said to a therapist. It's not a, not even shocking. It's one mean thing. There's that's not. I'm not saying that's the most punchline dense bit in the world. It's just a a thought I've been rolling around a lot, and I've been rolling it around because because I think I'm. I would rather be upset with her for being hurt by that than grapple with this feeling of unaliveness. I I really, the trick of these kinds of feelings, and if you've had them, maybe you're just thinking, dude, this sounds like depression. And for sure. That's, that's some of this, but I, I'm not immobilized. I'm, I'm, I am doing some things, but you know, not all things. I'm not, I'm not thriving, you know, and we're, and we're not just talking, I'm not doing all the projects I want to do and I'm being kind of a bad partner. I mean, you know, some activities of daily living as they call it in the hospital or in, or in treatment, are being being affected, you know? And I stink is what is what I'm trying to say. I I'm 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 not doing a good job at removing the stink. Um so I don't know. I'm really inspired by the new Gerard Carmichael special. His last one, eight, is 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 a Hall of Fame special for me. And this new one, Rothaniel, it's on HBO Max. I was looking forward to it. Um, you know, when it came out, watched it as soon as I could, and it's really great. And so he was just sitting on a folding chair at the Blue Note in New York taken lots of pauses and it was it was this the opposite of the loud 
that TikTok and this marketing mindset have been for me. And I was like, this is great. This feels so good. And and it inspired me to do the same. So this is my, you know, this is my rip off of that, my homage to that. Um, I've been trying to find a way to, to get my thoughts out, to express what I want to express, because that's, that's why I do this. That's why I make things. That's why I perform. That's why I write. Not just selfishly, although that that's in there, but expression with the intent of connection, you know, that like, you know, if you're isolated, it's hard to have a meeting of isolated folks, you know, and, and that maybe you can hear that someone else feels insane being the only masked person in a room of people doing the thing they used to love. And by the way, they're doing the, 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 the comedy is it's fucking terrible, man. It's player piano comedy. It's, 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 it's by the book. It's, it's the, the music, literally the rhythm and the tone of the words are, are predictable. There are there are pauses before the punchlines, nothing surprising, and that's what comedy is supposed to be. But because this audience has been trained that this is what comedy is, they're doing fine. The 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 comedians are doing fine. And I'm sitting here thinking, well, standing here in this standing room only packed fucking room, thinking, why do I want to do is this even what I want to do? And the answer is yes, like there there is comedy that I want to do. Um, I know, you know, it, it might not look the same, but I want to be live in a room with people expressing myself to connect and talking about this shit, talking about being afraid of dying, talking about living every day afraid of dying, but not living life, living like a zombie and being afraid to die at the same time. It's, it's not always as bad as it seems. I'm very, very lucky in many ways. My life is good in many, many ways. Um, But there is an element of truth to that. That being how I feel. In this in-between state. And I know I'm not the only one. And I know I have support too. I have support because I got I got the good fortune to act on a TV show and that's you know that hasn't it hasn't aired yet I'm sure I'll I'll let you know when the when the details are more out there but it was it was my third screen actors guild union job and that mean that meant that I 
got to join the union, which at at the moment is mostly a financial burden. It it's symbolically super super fucking cool, and ultimately it is much cooler than it is a burden. But at the moment, it's expensive. And I put the call out on social media and was overwhelmed with support from people who gave me money to cover those dues, no questions asked. In fact, I asked questions. I was like, how can I pay you this back? And one person said, just keep being awesome. And it's, and so so to have spent the last 40 minutes or so just under, I'm I'm aware. Uh, to to have spent this time complaining because that, that's what I'm doing. You know, I feel that's not where I want to be. That's not ultimately the person I want to be. And I know that the harder choice, you know, I asked a buddy, I was like, sometimes it feels like it'd be easier just to quit, you know, when it comes to stand up or being involved with any of these people. And as I said it, I was like, easier. Like, it is. Of course it's easier to quit. Um, but, but I hope I have the strength soon, at some point in the future, not to. to I was going to say to assert myself, but it's more to, to reach out to people. And to do the Red Rover thing, you know, to, to have our, our, our line be stronger arm in arm. And there's, there's not a, you know, this is a bunch of unresolved thoughts. So this isn't a, this is not a, an HBO level stand up special in podcast form. Excuse me, I. I burped. That might be a thing that I edit out. And now that I've said it, I know I won't. That was water. I haven't had the coffee yet. I'll have the coffee. Okay. With there being no good ending to a thing like this, the one thought I have latched on to just over the last couple of days and I, and I've latched onto it. And if I give it, if I say it now, it's very, very possible that I, that I lose it because I've, I've churned it out into, into something to consume. And I really don't want to do that. I want to remember this. Rebecca Solnit is a great nonfiction, you know, essayist and writer. And she had a piece in the guardian recently um, and I'll, I'll link that in the show notes, but she talked about the unknown being the real truth about the future that like gas prices tanked like crazy. Um, you know, all these giant oil companies disinvested from their Russian, you know, separated themselves from these Russian investors with the, um, with the war in Ukraine happening the, with the pandemic that, that the truth of the future is that we don't know it. And her assertion is that that is where our hope is. The unknown is our only hope. Sometimes it's our only hope. In moments like this, for me, 
it is our only hope. And I'm trying to, you know, that's, that's the, the, the truth in my work. I ask in my first one man show, I ask, what if, you know, what if there's something, the unknown every week, I tell you to remember you're a mist. That's also from my first one man show based on a, vi- a, a, a Bible verse saying, we're here and then we're gone. We're a mist. And we really don't know how it's going to turn out. So this, this feeling that it's going to be this way forever that I have, um, I, 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 I cling to the hope that it won't. And the last thing I'll say is there's a, there's a performer poet, a songwriter, a, a, a saxophonist named Alabaster de Plume. He's amazing. I love his work. I'm close to getting him on the podcast, but who knows? Maybe that doesn't pan out. But he just released a record called Go Forth in the Courage of Your Love, Gold. And in the liner notes, he talks about we have to make courage and that fear is an essential ingredient in courage. So he he vows to make courage with that fear. And I have hella fears. I have the fears of dying, the fears of, of things staying the same. But I'm hoping that I can use that, that certainty of the unknown as a tool for making courage. So if if you like this, subscribe to the show, (laughs) rate it, review it, um, go to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Dave Marr, donate the price of a coffee or a meal, five or $15 every month. I could use it and, and I will put it to good use. Um, and thank you to my, my pigeon level subscribers, Susie Carroll, Fred Fidoa, Katie Llewellyn and Kurt Chang. And yeah, if, if, if any of this resonated, if you have thoughts, email me, this is Dave Marr at gmail.com. I might put that in the show notes too. And until next week, remember you are a mist. Only human.